now that everybody is back to school, I think it's quiz time. And there's only going to be one question on this quiz. And I'm pretty sure that, that for everyone here, it's going to be a pretty easy question. And no, the question is not, what's your favorite color? Here's the question. Who is Jesus? It's an easy question, right? It's an easy question for us, right? Many of us have probably been able to answer that question since the time that we were young, maybe even since the time that, that we could speak, especially if you were raised in a Christian household. We've known who Jesus is for quite some time. If it's such an easy question, why are there so many wrong answers to it? Let's listen again to some of the wrong answers to that question and then also the right answers. We hear again a few verses of our gospel reading for today. Please rise as we hear verses 13 through 16 of Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thus far the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You know, for all of the times that we give Peter grief about being one who, who either acts or speaks without really thinking too clearly, we have to say that Peter really nailed it this time. He was right on with his answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. All of the other answers that were, that were floating around out there, the answers given by people saying things about this this powerful preacher and worker of miracles named Jesus, they were not on target. At this time, though, there wasn't really a clear-cut idea among God's people, among the Jews, as to who the Messiah was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do. And so it's really not all that surprising that there were these different answers about who Jesus was. John the Baptist powerful preacher right and he was one who was well known and we may think well it's kind of strange to think well how could john the baptist be jesus but but even herod king herod who had john beheaded thought maybe that jesus was john the baptist raised from the dead elijah again a very powerful preacher one who could even work miracles and one who was who was taken up into heaven in the fiery chariot, chariot, never having to die, couldn't it be that he came back? That he came back in some miraculous fashion and, and that's who Jesus was? Or Jeremiah or one of the prophets, again, powerful preachers, some of them could work miracles. In some ways we'd say they're, they're not bad guesses, but they weren't right. Why didn't more people recognize Jesus as the Messiah, as the promised Savior. Again, there were 
various ideas out there floating around as to who the Messiah was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do. To us, it, it may seem like a no-brainer, but, but we're looking at the, the question of Jesus' identity with 2,000 years of history between Jesus and us. And, of course, we have the Bible. We have the New Testament especially telling us who Jesus is. Even still, don't we get it wrong sometimes? Aren't there times when you shape and mold Jesus into something that he's not? Maybe sometimes making him into somewhat like uh, Santa Claus because you take all of your wish list, all of the things that, that you want or want to happen and, and you hope that if you give that to him that he's going to come through and, and grant you all of your wishes. Or maybe we, we make God into this person who, well, he doesn't really care too much about all of the little petty sins. He only worries about the big stuff. But Peter got it right. Well, and actually he was answering on behalf of all the disciples. So we, should, we should say that they got it right, but Peter is acting here as the spokesman. What was the content of his confession? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, actually, earlier, it's recorded in Matthew that the disciples had confessed Jesus as the Son of God. You remember the account where Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter tries to walk on the water too? They confess Jesus at that point that he was truly the Son of God. Here, Peter adds that he's the Son of the living God, emphasizing that that God is the source of all life and that God is living as opposed to all of the dead idols that the unbelievers worshipped. The key part of Peter's confession was that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the promised Savior, first promised by God in the garden after Adam and Eve had sinned and then promised throughout the entire Old Testament over and over again. All of the hopes and dreams of God's people came true in this one man, in this God-man. The one that the Father specially chose and anointed. That's what Christ means, is anointed one. He is the one through whom all of God's promises of salvation would come to fruition. He wasn't just another great prophet. And how did Peter figure this out? Well, I suppose you could say that, that Peter looked at all of the evidence. He looked at, at who Jesus was, what he was saying, all the things he was doing, and, and he deduced in his mind that this, this man, Jesus, had to be the Messiah. And, and we could say that's all true as long as we give God final credit. Jesus told Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter wasn't convinced of Jesus' identity because he was so smart or, or he had smart people telling him who Jesus was. He was convinced of Jesus' identity because God had worked that faith, that trust in Jesus in his heart. Jesus had told the disciples in Matthew 11, No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal him. 
Peter's bold confession of Jesus as the Christ could only come through faith, through God-worked trust in his heart that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the Christ. And the same thing goes for us. How do you know that Jesus is your Savior from sin? If you relied on him for, for fulfilling all of your wish lists or for not holding you accountable for each and every one of your sins, well, you'd come up short. That's not who Jesus is. But Jesus is the very one who is shown to you in his word, in the Bible. He is the one who lived and died and rose for you. He's the one who forgives you all of your sins through his word, through baptism, through his supper. He is the one that you trust for your very life. Life now, yes, but also life forever, and especially with him in heaven. He is the one that, that you confess in the creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Your confession, that is, is the same as Peter's confession. And it comes from the same place. It comes through God working that faith, that trust in you. And then what's the result? What's the result of this confession of Jesus as the Christ? Well, Jesus tells Peter that there are two results. The first was this. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, there is a particular church that latches on to this verse and makes Peter into something that, that he's not. But that false notion aside, what is Jesus talking about? Well, notice that Jesus didn't say that you are Peter and on you I will build my church. Even though Peter means rock, when he said on this rock I will build my church, he actually used a different word when he says on this rock. I will build my church. We can get a little help from Paul's words in Ephesians 2. There Paul is telling the Ephesian Christians that as fellow saints and members of God's household, in other words, as members of the church, they have been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So what did the apostles and prophets do? Well, one thing that they did is they wrote the Bible. And what is the Bible all about? What is the focus of the Bible? It's about Jesus. So when Jesus says that he is going to build his church on a particular rock, he's talking about the content of Peter's confession. He's really talking about himself. What else or who else would be able to withstand against the forces of the devil? The gates of hell will not overpower it, Jesus said. Can you do that? I know I can't. Don't you, like I do, crumble way too many times when the devil comes at you with his personalized temptations to sin? Don't you weaken yourself by not taking the opportunity during the week to, to be in God's word, to have your devotions don't you miss out sometimes on, on coming to worship when, when you really want to. But we also cry out in the prayer that Jesus taught us, deliver us from evil. And he does. The one who overcame the devil by his resurrection from the dead, 
gives his victory to you so that you can stand side by side with with all of the saints, with all believers of all times in opposition to the very gates of hell, to everything that the devil is going to throw at you. The second result of the confession of Jesus as the Christ, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if you recall learning the small catechism, Luther's small catechism, you remember there's a section in there called the office of the keys and confession. So is that what Jesus is talking about here? Is he talking about binding and loosing sins? Well, yes, in a way, but he's actually talking in more general terms. What do keys do? Well, they turn locks. So they uh, allow you to gain access to something or they restrict access from something. Notice that Jesus says that he will give the disciples the keys. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples to, to go and spread the word, to, to make disciples. We usually call that the Great Commission. And what does that word do? Well, to those who believe it, to those who believe that it is talking about Jesus, that he is their Savior, well, that word gives them access to heaven. But to those who don't believe it, to those who reject that word, well, actually, it restricts access to heaven. It keeps them out of it. Now, of course, Jesus wants everyone to believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But he also knows that not everyone who hears his word is going to believe it. Not everyone who hears that word is going to be brought to trust in him. And we know that too. We know it's true in our, in our lives. People that you know, maybe even family members, who tell you that, well, you know, this whole Christianity thing, it's okay for you, but it's not for me. Or maybe you have a friend who asks you sometime, what is it that you believe about God? And, and you tell them what you believe, including believing about Jesus. And after that, your friendship, for whatever reason, cools off a little bit. And that's okay in this regard. Not everybody with whom you share the word is going to be automatically converted. That's not up to you. It's up to God to reveal to them who Jesus is. And just like he revealed it to the disciples, he reveals it to people with whom you share his word. And we let him take care of the results. Now there's one more thing to cover in this passage. The very last verse of this passage that, that might sound just a little bit strange. Here Jesus has asked the disciples who people say he is. Peter confesses on behalf of them that he is the Christ. Jesus says, oh, this is wonderful and I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And then he says, or Matthew records, Jesus commanded the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So what's with that? Why would Jesus praise the disciples and bless them 
for making this confession that Jesus is the Christ and then say, but don't tell anybody about it. Again, think back to how the disciples answered that question about who Jesus was, about who the people were saying he was. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Again, there were all sorts of false ideas out there floating around among the Jews as to who the the Messiah, the Christ, was to be. Was he going to be a worldly ruler? Would he come with all kinds of of power and pomp and and restore Israel to her former glory? Would he be a, a powerful prophet who would bring new revelations from God? Would he be a a majestic priest who would act as an intercessor between God and his people. With all of these ideas floating around, Jesus didn't want anyone to be mistaken about who he truly was. He wanted to finish all of his work. He wanted to finish living his perfect life so that he could take that perfect life and offer it as a sacrifice when he went to the cross a sacrifice in payment for all of our sins. He wanted to to rise from the dead to make sure that his victory over the devil, over death and the devil, was, was clear. He wanted to show, that is, who he truly was as the Christ, the Messiah, and what he was all about. And then the disciples could take that message, could take that message of the life-giving Messiah to the world. Which they did, of course. Otherwise, we may not be sitting here today worshiping Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter's bold confession is our bold confession. It's a confession that we make not just from our heads, because we look at evidence and decide that this is true. It's a confession that we make from our hearts. A confession that we make because God has worked that trust, that faith in Jesus in us. And when we make that bold confession that Jesus is the Christ, we're really saying that He is the one and only Savior. That He is our Savior who gives us life. And in that life, we are most certainly blessed. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.